I remember getting my first comment and it was very thrown off that somebody other than my immediate family or friends was commenting because I didn't, I didn't get the whole blogging thing. I had no idea that strangers were going to be reading my stuff. And once I did, I became obsessed. There are people who are actually relating to me, unlike the people in my real life who every time I say something honest, look at me like I'm insane. And these people are actually like, yes, me too. I'm feeling the same thing. And it was just so gratifying and amazing. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're all having a great week so far. I have a terrific guest for you today. I am so excited that I had the chance to talk to Jill Smokler. She's a New York Times bestselling author and entrepreneur, and she's also if you remember the name Scary Mommy, scarymommy.com, Jill is the woman behind Scary Mommy. She started it as a blog back in 2008 when she was wanting to chronicle just day-to-day life of being a mom to young children. And really what it became was this huge movement of women, other moms, who started to come to the site and follow Jill and her stories because what Jill was providing was this very, I think, universally relatable experiences of a mom. And then she had this great idea to start doing what she called confessionals. She created a confessional space on her site and invited other moms to share the real real of being a mom without having to have their name associated with it, but just to share what some of the real experiences were. And it just took off. And Scary Mommy, you can find them on social media now. They have close to 3 million followers on Instagram. Just on, They're everywhere and have become a great resource to moms. She was actually one of the first people to sell her company successfully as a mom blogger. And she now has a new project, a new company underway which I think is going to be also a great hit. It is one that I think will be very appealing and interesting to women at this next stage of their life. So while Scary Mommy was very much about Jill when she was a mom to young children, her new platform and brand is called She's Got Issues. And it really is a focus for Gen X moms and what they're going through at this stage of their lives. Very honest conversations, very real, uh, real talk. There's a podcast associated with it, which you can listen to as well. Well, where Jill talks very openly about her life and 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 talks about the issues that Gen X women are facing day to day. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Jill. She talks about how Scary Mommy got started, why it's called Scary Mommy, her experience going through the process of selling the company and then starting her new venture and what it's all about. So with that, we're going to jump right into it. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. You and I have been in this space, this creator influencer space for a long time. And this is the first time that we are actually talking live. And we were both kind of 
surprised that this is the first time, given that we've both been in this space for so long over the years. One of the things that I have observed about Scary Mommy is that uh, you had such a handle on what women were feeling and going through in the experience of motherhood that just everyone could relate to. And Mm -hmm. you were doing it from the very early days. So let's take a step back and just start with how did you become Scary Mommy? How did this happen for you? When did it happen? Well, it happened gradually. I initially became Scary Mommy because my son was two and I had just shown him some Disney movie with a villain and he was afraid and was referring to everything as scary and called me Scary Mommy. And I was like, oh my God, it's a great blog name. But it really grew into its meaning, which is a really authentic, you know, brave, real mom who's not afraid to express that. And it just really, yeah, it sort of redefined itself along the way. So you started off as a blog. And I think I've heard you say that you, in the beginning, you just, you blogged every day. And oh, I blogged every day. And if I didn't blog, I apologized for not blogging that day. Yes. <laughs> As we did. And what were you blogging about? Everything. Just my days with the kids. Everything, everything was a story. And I just shared it all because it was all so universal. And it wasn't, you know, they were just little blobs. They weren't really their own individual people yet. So I just was writing about just about my days with them, about their tantrums, about my frustrations, about how things weren't coming as naturally to me as I felt like they were to other people, how lonely and isolated I was, um, just, you know, from the good stuff to the tough stuff. When did you first start to feel like, I've got people reading this and I'm building some momentum here? Yeah, it was probably six months into it. I remember getting my first comment a couple of months after, and I was very thrown off that somebody other than my immediate family or friends was commenting because I didn't, I didn't get the whole blogging thing. I thought it was just like another way of getting your, your personal stories out to family and friends. Like I had no idea that like these strangers were going to be reading my stuff. And once I did, I became obsessed. I was like, this is the coolest thing. Cause there are people who are actually relating to me, unlike the people in my real life who every time I say something honest, gawk and look at me like I'm insane and I feel so shitty about myself. And these are people that are actually like, yes, me too. I'm feeling the same thing. And it was just so gratifying and amazing. So I I was addicted. How did you think about Scary Mommy going from a blog to becoming this much bigger thing with millions of followers? And a community, like, because as you just said, you were finding that people were, were, were finding themselves in what you were writing. So how did, how did that evolution happen for you? Well, it became evident early on that I, you know, my experiences, as much as it was fun and comforting to be sharing them were my experiences and my little life and my little, you know, suburb. And I really wanted to offer other views of motherhood and share different stories that people might relate to in a different way. So I started with the Scary Mommy Society, which I had every Tuesday and Thursday, I had a guest poster, and then I would 
post on their site. And it was a little swap thing that we did in the blog world. And that was the first step in building community. The second step really was the confessional, which was this anonymous sort of Twitter-like space that you could put, I don't know, 150 characters. And there was a response. The responses were a hug, an oh my God, me too, and um, a like. People were confessing everything and then people would step in and respond to the confessions. And from that, we started message boards, people really connecting one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So it was it was gradual, but sort of snowballed from there. You're talking about so many things that people are probably like, wait, message boards? Back in the day, <laughs> people listening, the message boards were a way for people to kind of connect and talk to one another back and forth. And it predated, if I if I am remembering correctly, certainly I'm dating myself, where most of the sites, most of them had integrations with Facebook. So this was prior to integration with Facebook, where people would just kind of write their comments back and forth there. You had places on your blog or on your site where people could, could talk to one another. And, and there was community in that element right there where people were able to hear hear what other people were saying and and respond back and forth right which was amazing in terms of building community and in terms of building traffic and the website it was amazing because it was user generated content that i didn't need to produce and i didn't need to oversee which was magical and that really took things up a notch for sure So let's talk about the user-generated content of it all, because fast forward to where we are today, we had a period of time where we shifted away from the blog, but not before you had the opportunity, and I think probably the first that I can remember, to have your blog acquired. Can you talk a little bit about how Scary Mommy, when that happened, and the decision to kind of move forward with that? Sure. It happened after it was eight years. My my numbers are like so often with COVID, you know, everything's impossible to remember anyway. But it was the monetization of Scary Mommy happened very suddenly and intensely. I was making a moderate amount of money and I was working really hard for it. And then once the confessional was there and I had Amazon ads and everything was sort of cranking out, the, it all of a sudden started making a shit ton of money. And it, like so much that I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I can't, I don't know how to manage this. And I was paying a staff and I was managing that. And I, I was just overseeing everything, working all the time, ignoring my kids, just on the laptop constantly. And I had an interview about my third book with a company that was just starting out. It was a new media company and they happened to be looking to acquire a parenting site. And I happened to say in some offhanded way how burnt out and exhausted I was. And they said, wow, well, that could be perfect. And instead of really taking that as a first step in selling exploration, I kind of just jumped on it. It was like, I'm so fucking tired. I just can't do this anymore. And so I sold it to them and I sold it for a fine amount of money. It was fine. And at the time it was life-changing for us, but I think I could have sold it for more if I really had shopped it around and had been more 
thoughtful mm-hmm. about it, but I was just so burnt out that mm-hmm. that was why it happened the way it mm-hmm. happens. And it happens very quickly. Just knowing a little bit about how this stuff works and, and knowing people who've done this in the past, it it is interesting, though, that frequently the deal that actually makes the most sense is the one where it's sort of fortuitous. You're having a conversation mm-hmm. and it just happens as opposed to, oh, let me go out specifically to go sell this, which which happens obviously also, but you, but I always feel like the deals that make a lot of sense are the ones that kind of are, are happen, happen because you're naturally having a conversation and it makes sense to sync up together. Did totally you, agree. did you have a commitment to that company that acquired you after you were acquired? So you ended up having the, like a job basically with them once they acquired you? Yeah, I had a guaranteed job for two years that I was able to leave after a year if I wanted to. I ended up staying for two and a half years. Uh, The first year of that was amazing. It was so much fun. They had so much respect for me. Having an expense account in New York was just so fun. And seeing the scary mommy and neon, it was just awesome. It was all fantastic. And then after about a year, they realized that the site was not monetized as well as it could be. Mm-hmm. And that really changed the dynamic of the site. We had just all these ads, all of these mm-hmm. sponsorships, mm-hmm. all of this, you know, trying to make money, money, money. And it I felt like the user experience was just in the toilet and I was mm-hmm. so mortified by it. And mm-hmm. every meeting became a fight. Everything became combative. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much after two and a half years, we were in a meeting and I was so offended by the way the meeting met, went that I basically quit on the spot and mm-hmm. left. And I, I'm really bad with impulsive decisions. <laughs> Clearly, I need to think things through a little better because I woke up the next day and was like, what have I done? Like, that was my entire life. Like, I have not, like, all of my friendships had, you know, I'd either brought them in or they'd formed there. Like, my whole structure of my day, my, my, I mean, my, my money, my salary, like, everything was just, like, instantly over. And that was tough. But yeah, yeah the sale initially was super fun. It's interesting because you're definitely not the first person I've talked with who've who has sold their company to another company. Like there's this amazing period of time right after, and then things inevitably change because this you know time changes, the space changes, and things that you have to make decisions about are different a year in or a year and a half in than they were day one. Right. There is something extremely emotional about that connection and what it means and what it says about you. Yeah, because I wasn't only selling a business that I built and strategically built. I was also selling, like you said, my my fourth baby in a sense. And I was so attached to the site. I was, I mean, the site was what I was known as. It was my name in the, you know, in the public world and Mm -hmm. separating myself from that was really tough. I don't know that there's any ideal 
sale of a company when a founder stays and works with the new team. I think it's such a difficult dynamic that as much resentment and regret as I might have, I don't know that it could have been that much better. Right. I feel like I have known so many people, talked to so many women in particular, because we're intuitive, we frequently think we're making a decision on the spot, but Mm. it's something that's been marinating for a while. Mm. We seem to sometimes make what we think is a split minute decision and but it's been rattling around in there. I have talked to so many entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs in particular, who seem to say the same thing. I really appreciate and respect the fact that you have talked to all of these female entrepreneurs. I really hadn't. And I hadn't, I wasn't in any groups, any settings with women. Anything I was with was men who I really isn't the same dynamic. And mm-hmm. I hadn't really found people who who I felt a community with, who I could bounce mm-hmm. ideas off of and find mm-hmm. inspiration from and all of that stuff, which is something I, I need to start doing in my next project. So, okay. So you sold Scary Mommy. What year mm-hmm. was that? 2017. Okay. And now... You are back with a new venture. She's got issues. There are multiple components to it. I'm going to let you explain it in a minute. But I will say that I went and looked at your content. I look, I listened to a few episodes of your podcast. And I thought to myself, this is a person who really understood parenting and motherhood in a way to connect with people when that was the life stage she was in. And now she's in a different life stage and she's similarly connecting with people who are in that life stage. And there's something so compelling about that. So let talk to us a little bit about what is She's Got Issues and who is it for? I love that so much because it is exactly, Scary Mommy was exactly what I needed at that point in time. It was it was just the solution to everything. I, I was so isolated. I was overwhelmed. And it really provided such solace. And similarly, now in Gen X, we're you know sandwiched in this muck. And it's so tough. And the kids, you know, big little kids, little problems, big kids, we all know it. But it's mm-hmm. legitimately true. And things are just so challenging in different ways. So She's Got Issues really picks up where Scary Mommy left off. Mm. Scary Mommy kind of tapers off around, you know, the teens and then you sort of are floundering from there. So I'm hoping that She's Got Issues steps in and really just is that next step for people who just are facing all the stuff we're facing with Asian parents and Asian kids and uh, menopause and health and relationships. It's just all the the crap that we now face. Tougher than changing diapers and and burping babies. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a different type of energy that's required to do the things that happen when the kids get older and your parents get older and all of these things happen. And it's interesting because I heard some of the topics that you covered on your podcast and they are... They are still, though, relevant, I think, not just to women who have, let's say, teenager or older kids. Mm -hmm. It's relevant to younger women, too. It's just a matter of 
you talk about it, I think, from the perspective of someone who has more experience. And there is something about that. There is something, I think, also very comforting about getting that perspective. Talk, if you can, a little bit about what you're trying to do with She's Got Issues. Like, what is it that, what what community are you trying to build with this? What I'm trying to do with She's Got Issues really is sort of the step two of Scary Mommy when I really became a little more strategic about it because I really wanted to just bring women together and make them feel like they are not alone. And I think the way to do that is, you know, we have a podcast, we have a magazine, we have a Facebook community, and it's really in the comments. And we're I'm figuring it out now, just how to really build community in a world where everything is so instant and real oriented. And the whole thing feels, it, it just feels like scary mommy. And I'm working with some of my t- same team members, which makes me so happy. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, it's it's I'm having so much fun. I really am. It's I'm loving work right now. That's great. And and in terms of where if you think about this as a platform, you as a creator, an influencer, how does that feel different this go around versus scary mommy? I'm coming from such a different place. I, when when Scary Mommy started, I had little, I had a baby, I had a toddler, I had little, little kids, and I was overwhelmed by the simplicity of the days and the monotony and the, you know, isolation of it. Mm-hmm. But things are just so different now. I want to be that person for sort of the next tranche of people. And I didn't have that Mm -hmm. that perspective back then because I was just a new little mommy baby. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and you were very prolific. I know we didn't really touch upon this already, but you had, you've published three books. You're a New York Times bestselling author. So you have, it's not, it wasn't just the site, right? It was, there were multiple elements to what you were doing. Do you see She's Got Issues as a platform for a woman, like women of a certain life stage, and it grows, it could grow from where it is now? Absolutely. And it's starting with the podcast guests and bringing in different voices that way, bringing in different voices in the magazine and the article. So yes, I I want to represent a vast slew of women at midlife and a little, you know, we're we're actually, it's funny, we really thought it was going to be 45 to 55. And we're having a lot more younger people than I expected. But we had that with Scary Mommy too. There were so many people who told me after the fact that they were teens and in their like early 20s and didn't have kids and sort of read it either for entertainment or as birth control, which I always found very <laughs> amusing. <laughs> I keep hearing women, and I've heard this for a long time, women say, oh, I would never want to be in my 20s or 30s mm-hmm. again. I It's so much better as you get older. And I keep waiting for when I'm going to feel like, I don't yeah, want to be that again. <laughs> I'm so relieved to hear you say that because I feel like my 40s 
were supposed to be the decade I've been waiting for. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still waiting. <laughs> Are they going to get good again? But I just interviewed Judy Greer for the podcast. Yeah. And she was telling me a story that she was feeling old and she was having a conversation with Jane Fonda. She said that Jane said her 40s were her most challenging years and that everything after her 50s or 60s or 70s were incredible. And everything before that, she found to be so, so tough. So I loved that. And oh, I love that. I hope that to be true. Uh, you know what? I'm listen, Jane Fonda's got a lot of experience and she's certainly I would not argue with her a lot. So let's hope we're all Jane Fonda. <laughs> or <laughs> Jane let it be Fonda. so. <laughs> all right. Well, Jill, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? They can follow me at Jill Smokler on Instagram. And I've been on threads a lot lately, which I'm finding really fun. It's like very old school bloggy. And she's got issues as a podcast and a magazine. So just Google it and check it out. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you so much. This was so fun to talk to you. and know you now. Yes. Now we know each other. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.